Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampion. And my guest today is the founder of Priority Mail, Mr. Eric Taylor. Thank you for joining me. All right. Thank you, Brother Lampkin, for the opportunity to speak on your platform here. And I'm happy to be here this morning and looking forward to the dialogue. Oh, listen, I first of all, before we do anything, let me say thank you for what you do. Um, because I don't think there's enough people, especially black men, addressing men's health. So to see to come across your platform was truly a good thing. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that, my brother. And this is my purpose and my passion at this point in my life. So I'm doing my part to leave this world better than I found it. And I'm doing to doing all that I can to educate men, especially men of color, because I know the challenges we face in this world and when it comes to the healthcare system. So I do appreciate that, my brother. So let's 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 start from there. How did you find how what made you find priority mail? Well, so I've been doing this nursing thing for 25 years now. I've been a nurse for 25 years and a nurse practitioner for the last 14 of those years. And in my earlier part of my career, I worked in the intensive care unit. That's where the sickest of the sick people go. And I started to see a trend and it just it got depressive. I had become numb to death because I had seen it so much. And sadly, I had seen young men that looked like me, you know, in the early 40s, late 50s, in the prime of their lives, dying prematurely from heart disease, diabetes, and just things that we could do something about, man. And I had so many uncomfortable conversations with family members and wives and daughters at the bedside. And they would confide in me because, you know, they saw me as their, like they saw their brother or their father or their husband on their deathbed. And they'd be like, what could we have done different? You know, and I'm like, it's a little late for that. But then it kind of sparked to me. It's like, well, what can I do to educate men that look like me uh, and men in general, but especially men that look like me, what can I do to educate them on a broader, larger scale to make them aware of these conditions and what we could do about it? And just, you know, I have been asked a number of times in the community here in Houston to come to different churches and different activities to speak to men. And I would go do that. And people always say, well, why aren't you doing this as a business or as a, some kind of platform? I'm like, well, I just hadn't thought about that yet. And, you know, it was birthing me priority mail where men's health is the priority. I consider myself to be a master educator because I know how to really break it down and talk to people on a level that they can understand it without using all them large medical terms and they get the picture. And then I always try to add a little humor with that health information because they will remember those moments when they laughed. And it was sparked about three, almost four years ago now. Matter of fact, coming up on four years now. And ever since then, I've just been slowly building and sharing this information consistently on my platform. It's not what people want to hear all the time because people like to laugh. People like to be entertained today. And so the information can get boring until it hits close to home. And then somebody realizes, you know what? This dude has been saying this for a long time. We need to pay attention. And that last post I did about the different strokes of the different celebrities and you know heart disease, it kind of went viral on TikTok, and I've been getting a lot of uh, feedback from the Priority Mail families and, and just random followers now because I think the message is out there. So that's 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 how this started, and I've been on a mission uh, to leave this world better than I found it. You know, a lot of times between our sunrise and sunset, we don't really leave anything behind from a legacy standpoint 
to where people can see what you did with your life. My goal is to say, you know, when I'm dead and gone, prior to me, hopefully we'll live on. Somebody will take the brand and keep it moving. But that I did my part to educate men on the importance of health, maintenance and prevention. So that's that's where it came from. man. Because you're a nurse practitioner and, and what people don't. Well, what a lot of people don't realize is the nurse practitioner is actually more involved with the patient because you're more hands on. You do the blood pressure. You do. You pretty much do everything. And the doctor kind of just comes in and signs off. So because you have so much of that hands on, did that give you an advantage with starting priority mail? Yeah, it did. Because the, the nurse in me, there always will be that nurse in me. And, you know, our training is a little bit different when it comes to how we get to this end point of being medical providers. Again, to all the physician colleagues out there, physicians that do what they do, I thank them for being the great physicians that they are. We as uh, advanced practice providers, nurse practitioners, and physician assistants, we extend their reach to reach more people in communities where they're not able to go on a regular basis. So not taking anything away from what physicians do. But our model is a little different, and nursing model has a lot of caring involved. And I've always been a caring individual. And if I was in a position where I could help someone, whether it be from a knowledge standpoint or a skill standpoint to help better their situation, I always wanted to be in a position to do that. And I've been afforded many opportunities to do that in my career. And Pride and Mail has now afforded me an opportunity to share that message on a large platform to a lot of listening ears and watching eyes. So, yeah, that's 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 where we are today, my man. I want to talk about something that you just touched on, being a um, nurse. And, and it's not a, let's be honest, it's not a a field that men typically go into because we're, we're not looked at as nurturing. Yeah. But you being a black man actually in a field where you have to be nurturing. So what is that like for you? Do, do people have different conversations with you? Yeah. So you just touched on something, brother, that me and my fellow um, black male nurses, my nurse colleagues, uh, we laugh about all the time. You know, black men are some of the most caring men on the planet, despite what the stereotypes in the media may portray us as. And even within our own race, how we might see one another. Black men, especially as fathers, can be very caring. Those that are actively engaged in their kids lives. They can be some of the most caring individuals, some of the most protecting individuals out there. And nursing was a a no brainer for me. And I'm kind of give you a little, you know, a little funny history on me here. I was a great, pretty decent quarterback in high school. I want to say great, but I wasn't the fastest guy, but I could throw it a mile. If you could run, I could put it out there and you can go get it. Um, And I, I never had trouble with the ladies. So when it came time to pick a career for college, it was almost straightforward for me that, you know, hey, that nurses, all the girls go to nursing school. Hell, I'm going to nursing school. That's where all the ladies at. I'll be the only dude in the class, man. Do you know what that look like? That's a buffet, man. I'm going. So it just, it just to be so, you know, it just so happened I was academically inclined as well. You know, I was really I was really a student athlete. I was good in the classroom and good on the field. So, but nursing was a no-brainer for me. I had a concussion my fourth uh, game of my senior year in high school that changed my life. I thought I was going to play football at the next level and, and try to go to the NFL, but, you know, I was like, mm, I don't know if that's going to work out for me. And that concussion really brought it home for me. And I had a chance to experience some great nurses as an athlete that took care of me after my concussion. And it further solidified that, hey, you should probably be a nurse. On top of 
all the women are in nursing school. So, and I met my wife. I actually met my wife in nursing school. But um, yeah, and I just, it was uh, it was tough. I had some very challenging times going to school in Alabama as a black male. And like you just said, men are typically not seen as nurses, especially black men. Mm-hmm. You know, we already have so many negative stereotypes about us. And everywhere I went, especially for the training piece of it, you, you I, I don't even like to rehash some of those stories that I had, some of the experiences that I had as a black male nursing student. But I thank God for those experiences because it made me stronger, it made me a better person, and it made me appreciate where I am today. And that's where I can so authentically express my concern and share this information at, at on this platform at a, a level to where people can be like, it touches them because they see that I mean this. This is not, I'm not just speaking from some teleprompter. I'm speaking from my heart and sharing information that I've been blessed to learn over for the years, so. You said you went through some um, troubling times in school um, because, you know, being a black male and and, and I'm assuming you was, you're was you talking about like racism and things. Yeah, man. Did it ever discourage you from keeping going? Like, did, were, did it ever make you question were you in the right field? I never questioned if I was in the right field. I knew I was in the right field. I, just was, I was just coming across some bad people. And, um, you know, people like to say we like to, to harp on racism, this, that and the third. But, bruh, and, and going to school in Alabama as a black male nurse, you could only imagine some of the things that I experienced from patient and staff alike. And even some of my fellow nursing uh, school colleagues, it was like they didn't they didn't want me to be there. I wasn't supposed to be there. I was put under stress and faced challenges that I don't even think were part of the training in the program. But I stood the test of time. I thank God for my praying family and my community uh, from where I'm from, Otagoville, Alabama. Man, I had some people in that community, my family, my mom, my dad, my aunts, my uncles, and just local church members and former uh, coaches and stuff that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. But they were all supporting me and praying for me to be where I am today. So I don't take lightly where I am today because I know many have made sacrifices for me to be here. And, you know, again, God blessed me with, you know, ability to play football. And I I had a brain in my head as well that I could use. And I wanted to do more. I wanted more than what I saw was there for me in that small community. And yeah, um, I'm here today, man. And I'm standing on the shoulders of many. This is not just me. You know, I may be here speaking and sharing all this information and doing it so, you know, in such a level that people really can relate to it. But trust me, many have invested in this opportunity that you or this person that you see here today. And I don't take that for granted. Yeah, I'm, and, and I'm glad that you was able to persevere through all that and get through it because um, we need more people, especially black men, because like I said, we we. I mean, nursing is, again, that's a usually a woman-dominated field, but I think it would definitely put a man at ease looking at a person who looks like them. And just being a man, you could understand, like, it probably is tough for us to talk about some things, and you could actually look at a black man eye to eye and understand exactly what he's saying. Yep. I could definitely relate. And trust me, brother, when they have those tough situations on the unit, when I was on the unit, or even in clinic, Guess what they do? They come knock on my door. Hey, Eric, we got one for you. Can you can you handle this? And then I go in and and man, it's like I, I get so much further with the patients than they could ever get with them. And they'd be like, oh my God, we just gonna sign him to you because we know you can you can work with him. 
So. Well, let me ask you, does that ever become overwhelming? Um, I can, it can become overwhelming, but I don't see it as that because I'm a vessel being used for a greater purpose. And when you, when that is put in you and your purpose and your passion and your mission aligns with that, there, I don't think they can put much on, more on you than you can bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's, it's just, it's a good balance. Uh, and, uh, I take pride in being able to help those that need that help. Because again, some people can't relate. They don't even try. Some of them don't even try, brother. Some of them don't even try to relate. It's, it's, it's obvious when you see the interaction with the patient, they actually don't even see the person. Mm-hmm. I actually see the person, not just a number or a condition. I see that person and all that they brought with them to come to that visit. And I take all of that into consideration as I'm interviewing them and asking thoughtful questions that will trigger them to share information with me that will help me to help them. That goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of the um, diseases that you that you really was put a good emphasis on. I'm going to start with um, heart conditions. Um, That was actually the post that drew my attention. Okay. Why, why are we, as, especially because you, you really, cause, because it's probably male, you, you focused on black men so much. So why are we so prone for heart disease? Well, we're not just prone for heart disease, brother. We have uh, the highest blood pressure in the country. We're nearly twice the risk for our first ever strokes. We have the highest death rate from cardiovascular disease among anyone else. We are twice as likely to die from prostate cancer, and we have a two to three fold elevated risk of fatal disease. And that's not something that that's the first time I hope your listeners are are hearing. But in this country, you think about it. There have been some negative things from a from a practice of medicine standpoint that has rubbed African-Americans the wrong way when it comes to engaging the healthcare system, particularly most people think about the Tuskegee experiment. Again, I grew up just about 20, maybe 30 minutes from Tuskegee in Alabama. So I'm very familiar with this. And there are a number of other studies that don't get the, the uh, popularity that the Tuskegee experiment get. And I will throw this out there. Medical apartheid is a book that I would recommend we read so we understand medicine. And it may make you hate medicine a little bit more because you will understand some of the experiments that they uh, conducted on men and women of color that have advanced medicine to where it is today. And with that, we have a significant distrust of the healthcare system. And it's pretty clear why that is the case. And because of that, we don't trust the system at all. So that's why we don't go to the doctor. And that's why when you think about our diet. Let's go back to the slavery. We got the scraps of what they didn't want and turned it into delicacies. I mean, think about chitlins, pig feet, hog ears, hog head cheese, all the different parts of the hog that they threw away that we took and made a delicacy out and, and continue to still eat today and prepare it in ways that are not always healthy. And then you factor in today's creature comforts. We don't exercise. we got all these smart homes, smartphones, smart cars. Everything does it for us. They bring the food and drop it off at the door. And we don't move. And we're still adding salt. We're still adding too much uh, sugar. We're still cooking, frying too much food. And then we don't move. So you factor that in with the creature comforts and then the opportunities for us to live better lifestyles today. 
it's a combination uh, that's set for destruction when it comes to our health. And then our food is overprocessed in this country. You know, the golden arches have been killing people in the hoods for many years, and we still pull up to them drive-throughs and get a 10-piece with some fries and a large sweet tea. And you think about it, you just count the calories. And a lot of us don't do that. We're not cognizant of that. Not to say that we can't have it because I'm guilty of it myself. Trust me, everything I'm saying, I'm guilty of, but I do it in moderation. But when you eat that way every day, and then you don't go to the doctor, and then you may drink a little, smoke a little, and you just know where this goes. The, the setting, this is setting up a, a situation that is gonna not going to have a really good outcome when you do have an insult to your health. And with that said, we have high blood pressure, undiagnosed most of the time. We don't go to the doctor. We don't pay attention to the numbers. We're afraid of the medicine because it affects our bedroom performance, you know, and then we end up with a stroke. We end up with uh, congestive heart failure. We end up with kidney disease. And then we end up with a touch of the sugar. You know, we have a severe case of diabetes in our community. You know what I mean there? Yeah. You know, got a little sugar, don't want to accept it. And we're still eating the pound cake. We're still eating the, the peach cobbler. We're still eating the sweet potato pie. And right now, we're entering the holiday season to where people are going to consume more calories per pound per day uh, then they consume year round these next three months, starting with Halloween. And it's just a it's, a it's a recipe for disaster. And then factor in, we got a lot of us have health insurance and we won't go to the doctor because of the distrust. So my goal is to educate and, and help people be more aware of their uh, health issues and how they can be proactive rather than reactive and find a doctor you can trust, someone you can talk to, someone that's not, just not talking at you, but you can talk to them, have a conversation with and make some shared decisions on what you want to do with your health. And I, at the end of the day, brother uh, uh, Lampkin, I always tell patients, we all have a right to make poor choices. I'm here to help guide you, and I can't make that final decision for you, but you have to be able to deal with the consequences of your choices and your actions. But if you'll help me, let me guide you, I can help you get to where you're trying to go with your health. But with that said, our distrust and lack of understanding and then lack of access to quality care is uh, at the top of the list when it comes to why we are number one in all of those categories of uh, those things that we just mentioned. And it's sad and it's not getting any better, unfortunately. We you talked about diabetes. Um, and this is this is a question that that I've always wanted to know. And I probably should read on it, but since I got you here, I'm gonna ask you. All right. Um, why is diabetes such a slow, silent killer? Like the help, what does it do to, to just eventually just make you pass away? Well, so diabetes is a is a risk factor in itself alone for heart disease. OK, mm -hmm. diabetes, high levels of blood sugar uh, in your body wreak havoc on your blood vessels. And we have I'm trying not to get too technical with this because I like to keep it on a, a level where people can really understand. But I want to there's a macro level, which is larger. And then there's a, a micro level, which is smaller. So we have large and small vessels in our bodies that feed a lot of our major organ system, our eyes, our kidneys, uh, below the belt, circulation and stuff like that. So diabetes is notorious for wreaking havoc on those blood vessels from a macro level and a micro level. And the damage that it causes over time, like you said, slowly over time is irreversible. 
Mm. And by the time we address it, and a lot of times in our community where we've known they've had diabetes for a long time, and people will maybe take the pill for a short period of time, but we are afraid of that insulin. We don't want to take that shot because once you get on that shot, you can't get off it. And the denial of the care that we could have early can prevent some of those things from happening. But because we're in denial, because we don't change our diet, because we don't go see the doctor, and because we might take the medicine half the time and the other half, we like, I don't feel like, I don't like it, I ain't dealing with that anymore. We allow these things to cause problems that once they develop and have significant symptoms or when you can't do anything with it at home, it's too far from medicine to really manage it. And we just try to hold on as long as we can before you die from one of those complications. Like again, end-stage renal disease leading to dialysis, congestive heart failure leading to death, poor circulation leading to amputation of a toe, a foot below the knee or above the knee, and problems in the bedroom. You know, men are having trouble with diabetes and they're having trouble in the bedroom. It doesn't get any better if you don't manage it. You know, mm-hmm. then leading to eyesight, you know, blind diabetic retinopathy where they become blind. I mean, diabetes is is something I don't wish on my worst enemy. And it's tough, but we have it in our community at an alarming rate. And a lot of us are in denial about it. Mm-hmm. And then you made a post, um, you 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 made a video that I really wanted to talk about. You explained what a stroke is. Mm-hmm. And I watched the video, but I want you to explain to the listeners exactly what a stroke is. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So with a stroke over time, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, sedentary lifestyle and obesity um, leads to plaque building up in your arteries uh, anywhere in the body. Particularly, we always think about the heart first, Uh, but these these plaques, this fat can deposit in any artery in your body. And what happens with the stroke is there are two types of strokes. You have an ischemic stroke and you have a hemorrhagic stroke. Now, the ischemic stroke is the one I want to talk about first, where it involves that plaque that I just mentioned, the fat that builds up in the artery. It breaks off and then it lodges or clogs one of the uh, blood vessels feeding the brain tissue. That is the ischemic stroke. And when that happens, the brain tissue that is beyond where that blockage happens in your brain does not receive adequate blood flow and it dies and you cannot recover it. Okay, that is what happens with the ischemic stroke. Uh, And then whatever. So say, for instance, the way strokes work, if the left side of the brain is affected, your right side of your body will be impacted. So you'll have weakness or complete loss of function on that right side. And if the right side of the brain is affected, it will be the left side of the body. So just remember that it's opposite of what side of the brain is affected to what side of your body will be affected. Now, with the hemorrhagic stroke. Basically, this is where someone has really, really high blood pressure for a very long period of time and they have not taken medicine or they're taking medicine off and on. And that rip, that blood vessel ruptures. Just think of a pipe in your home that brings water into your home ruptures in the ceiling and you have drywall damage and water running all down the wall. This is what happens in the brain when that pipe or that blood vessel ruptures. And there's not a lot of space inside the skull, despite what we might think. There's not a lot of space in there. And just a little bit of blood getting in there can cause significant damage. It can lead to death of the brain tissue and herniation of your brain stem, which can cause shutdown of all your major organs and ultimately your death. And unfortunately, this is happening again at alarming rates in our community. 
Now, which one is worse? It's hard to say. Depending on which one you have and how far you're away from the hospital, you won't survive either. But if you have an ischemic stroke and you are near hospital and you can get there in time, we have some really great drugs that can get in there and bust that clot up. But the hemorrhagic stroke, my friend, I'm just going to be very honest with you. I don't know the numbers right off the top of my head, but everyone I've seen has not been good outcomes. And it's just, but we can prevent all of this just by going to see our doctor on a regular basis, knowing what our blood pressure numbers are, knowing what our blood sugar numbers are, trying to keep our health and weight in check as best we can, cutting back on the salt and sugar and getting some regular exercise and doing the other things in moderation. I'm a realist now. I know being in the South, some of this stuff is just not going to happen. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if we can in moderation do some of these things, we can prevent some of this from happening prematurely. So, so the hemorrhaging one is that's the one with, that involves the blood pressure, you say, correct? Well, both involve the blood pressure, but with the hemorrhaging one, the blood pressure is like playing a role in the rupturing of that blood vessel. And then that, that blood just pulses out at you know a rate into the skull that is just, it's just not a good outcome. So, so that's the one that usually people, even if they do recover, they're, they're pretty much never the same. Yeah, they're almost in a vegetative state. Okay. Yeah, almost in a vegetative state, especially if it is a large bleed. It depends on if it's like a leak, because there's another little stroke that we call, and I didn't talk a lot about it, but it's called a TIA, a transient ischemic attack. And that one is almost like a spasm. It's not really a rupture. It's not really a, a complete blockage, but it, it kind of comes and then it'll go away. You'll have symptoms for a short period of time. You'll get to the doctor that'll work you up and spontaneously you'll recover all of your faculties without any issues. But it does place you at a higher risk of developing a stroke of either ischemic stroke or hemorrhagic stroke later on. Okay. Um. You know, we, we, we've talked, so clearly you have a lot of knowledge. Um, you put out a lot of great information. But unfortunately, something you said earlier, like when we first started is people just want to be entertained. Yep. So for you, because you, I, I've seen your videos, I've seen the amount of effort you put into it. Mm-hmm. Can it become frustrating to not see people exactly take to the meaningful information you're putting out as opposed to always run into foolishness? <laughs> Great question, brother. You read my bye. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm human and I'm not perfect. And I'll be the first to say in all of my flaws that, yeah, it gets it's, it gets lonely at times. Because you know you put out some information that's right on time that people need to read and take heed to. And it's like nothing. So, and you be like, okay, you get a little frustrated, but you be like, you know what? This is my mission. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And the way I see it, though, if I've only touched one, I've done my job. Because that one will go and share with their circle of influence and hopefully save some lives in that process. So, even with that, you know, I'm, I'm still here doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I will continue doing it until I'm no longer able to do that. You know what? But one thing I can't say, like um, the, you, you do interject humor. Um, you put a, you, you show your personality in the videos, which is good. So how important is it for people to see you and then gravitate to you? And then maybe as they gravitate to you, then they'll receive the message you put out. 
Well, because I want them to see me authentically and know that I'm not some superhero with a stethoscope and a, and a title and some initials behind my name that make me like I'm immune to some of this stuff. I'm a man just like you all. I got the same challenges in this world that you have, the same desires, the same shortcomings and all. So I don't want them to think that I'm some perfect individual that's doing everything that he's preaching about because I smoke a cigar every now and again. I have several a year. I like a nice drink as well. I'm going to go order me a steak when I get an opportunity. I'm going to sit down and eat me some fried chicken and some yams and some greens and all of that, just like everybody else. But it, the key here is I balance it and I do it in moderation. And I'm in the gym on a regular basis, investing in my health and wellness. But with all of that said, I know all of the challenges that we face. I know all the struggles that we face because I have faced them personally. So I can, if they can relate to me on that level, then they can hear the message versus me just speaking at them. And I, and like I say, if I can make it about me, trust me, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you know. Hey, man, I've experienced this. I ain't telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know, and this is what I know from a personal experience, and this is my professional experience. So, hey. Yeah, you can take it however you want to, but this is the truth. <laughs> Clearly, you're a very intelligent man. You got a lot of information to offer. Um, are you considering becoming a doctor? <laughs> you know, I, I appreciate you, Brother Lapkin. I appreciate you for saying that. And, you know, so let me just say this. I'm the first generation on my side of my family to, to go to college. Okay, where I'm from, in a small town, in the Toggleville, um, the opportunities are few. OK. Uh, and so for me to be where I am right now, brother, and be doing what I'm doing, I have to pinch myself because it doesn't seem real coming from where I'm from, because it, it just you didn't see it a lot. And um, I love my town. I love my hometown Eagles and uh, and all the support that they provided me over the years. And but to, to say that I'm supposed to go be a doctor, I I don't know. I think it's I think that opportunity for me has passed. And I think the nursing route has been my calling and it has provided me with an opportunity to earn a great living for myself and to to impact a lot of lives over the course of it. And becoming a nurse practitioner is probably as close as I'm going to get to becoming a doctor. Uh, I'm able to write prescriptions, order MRIs, CAT scans and all that thing and do a lot of stuff that physicians are able to do. But again, all respect to physicians and the training that they have and what they do. But I feel like I'm in a position to where where I am professionally, I can impact the world at where I'm supposed to impact the world at this point in my life. So I'm, I'm considering the uh, PhD or D doctorate in nursing practice uh, as a terminal degree for me, but medical school, nah, I don't think that's going to be in my lifetime. You Maybe know, my next lifetime, though. <laughs> and, and, and I'm glad you, you you touched on it as much as you did, because the reason I asked that is because if you were to become a doctor, then you would you wouldn't be as hands on as you are now, and you would you wouldn't you may not be able to interact with the patients as much as you do. That's why I, that's really why I was wondering. Very good point. Very good point. And then that's why I don't feel uh, that's why I know this is where I'm supposed to be, because I have that opportunity to touch the patients on a level that if I were at that level of the physician, again, nothing would take away from my physicians that lead this country in medicine. I don't know if I would have the time or the patience to be able to do that. So I'm able to do that on a level now to where even my physician colleagues that I work with know that Eric is really good at that. 
So we're going to let Eric do that because he does a better job than I could ever do. And again, let him run with that. And I do a great job at it. And they know that I know what I'm doing. And I'm only going to bother them if I have a really difficult case because I've seen a little bit of everything and done a little bit of everything. So I don't bother them much. But when I bring it to them, they know it's a challenging case. And I appreciate them being there with that expert knowledge to be able to help me navigate that when I run into those challenging cases. But for the most part, they let me have my way. And I, the patients love it. I want to close with this. Um, where do you see yourself taking priority mail? You know, brother, I've been thinking about that here these last couple of months as uh, where is Priority Mail going? You know, right now it is a, a health and educational platform to kind of, again, just sound the alarm and, and, and put out a call to men to be more cognizant of their health and wellness. Um, where that's going, you know, again, as I said earlier, social media today is, you know, the, the foolishness and the, the half truths and whole lies is what goes viral out there. And people want to see that. And I'm going to be very honest with you, brother. I don't really think that mainstream media want to see me doing what I'm doing because no, based on the stereotype, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be here and especially not supposed to be doing care enough to do what I'm doing. So, but I would love to have an opportunity to speak on a larger platform with other like-minded professionals and help move the needle forward for people, uh, my people, when it comes to health and wellness in this country and be able to be a voice and a face uh, that they can go to and say, hey, he looks like me. He has very similar struggles as me. Matter of fact, he just like me. He got the knowledge and can break it down and share it to us on a level that I can understand. Let's let's make this let's follow this. Let's make this go viral. Let's share this with the world, because this is the message that people need to hear. And I just want to be able again to, to reach more people. Um, and it is not about me. It's about the message. You know, remove me from it entirely. It's about the message of what and the mission that I'm on to leave this world better than I found it. Because, again, I see too many people like me that die prematurely. And, you know, if I can do anything to, to, to uh, prevent some of that. Uh, and educate them to see that doctor and, and be better with their health and wellness and be here for those that need them most, then I've done my job. So where Priority Mail is going, I would like to see it on a larger platform and be able to reach more people, more men especially. Okay. Well, listen, I, I really want to thank you for taking the time to be on my platform. You're uh, welcome, my brother. I, I know how busy you are as a nurse <laughs> practitioner and, and trying to build what you're doing. So I'm honored that you took the time to appear on my platform. So thank you. And also, let me say thank you for what you're doing, because, again, it's it's not we, we need more, especially black men. We need more people like you who are giving their time and giving their energy and just willing to educate us on what we should be doing better. So thank you for that as well. Man, Brother Lampkin, appreciate you so much, man, for those heartfelt words. And thank you for what you're doing on your platform. And thank you for an opportunity to be able to speak to your listeners. Um, and again, you helped me get this message out, man. And, you know, I'm here for this. When, when there's an opportunity to speak to on a platform like yours and, and share this message with the world, I make time for that. Because, again, I don't think people want to hear this message. And the more opportunities I'm given to speak about it, the more this message can get out and the more I can get to the mission of what Priority Mail was created for. So, again, remove me from it. Just get the message. As long as we get the message and our people get the message, 
my job is done. And I thank you again, brother, for you taking the time out of your busy Sunday to, to uh, have me on your show. I hope your team wins today. I know you're, <laughs> you're a football fan. <laughs> I hope your team wins today, man. And just keep me in mind, man, as your platform continues to grow and you have an opportunity for me to come back, I'm happy to come and share this message with your platform, man. Oh, listen, I promise you, in my, my platform, I'm sure God will continue to grow it. And yes, indeed. Because because of men like you, it will grow. And I will sure. definitely remember you when it's when the time is right. And because and, we need to expose people like you. We we need people like you to have a, a bigger platform. So I'm praying that my platform get bigger, or even if my platform needs you going to another platform, whatever it takes, I just want to see you successful because you for us. So yes, we sir. have to be behind you. Yes, sir. We can do that together, brother. That's where the synergy lies. And I'm here for you, man. Make sure. Oh, before we end it, please, please <laughs> make sure we tell people how to follow you because we need to be following you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, brother. Well, I'm um, really growing on Priority Mail. It's P-R-Y-O-R-I-T-Y-M-A-L-E. Uh, uh, LLC. You'll see it on TikTok. If you're on TikTok, you can find me there. Same thing on um, on Instagram and the same on Facebook. And you'll see the young man, so to speak, with the black beard and the stethoscope around his neck. You'll see the picture. And, and it's a brother. Yes, it is. It's me. <laughs> so when you see that, you know you found priority mail. But it's where men's health is the priority. Uh, pick your poison. Follow comment, like, share, and in that order. And again, if there's a question that you'd like to hear me talk about on this platform, feel, feel free to reach out to it because there's no secrets over here. There's no bad question over here. And if it relates to me, I'm going to let you know because I'm trying to get this message out so that we can get more men to take better care of themselves and live longer, happier, healthier lives, my brother. All right. Again, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And and I definitely wish you all the best because if you succeed, we all succeed. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Lapkin. The same to you, my brother. I appreciate you, man. And I wish you nothing but the best. You must continue success. All right. Thank you. And I want right, to take the time to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. My Facebook is also conversations with lamp. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.